the Fill the Funnel podcast with Jeff Swan and Tom Slocum. We're here to help you crush your targets with tactical tips and insights you can act on today. Don't have a fancy tech stack, a big budget, or even a huge team to lean on? Well, it's time to get that solved today with FTF Fridays. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Fill the Funnel Fridays with your hosts, Jeff Swan and Tom Slocum. Uh, We have a problem, (laughs) and that problem is that SDRs, AEs, sales-focused founders, they're getting out there right now today and following templates, and they're trying to prospect like someone else. And you know what that problem is, though? Why is that a problem? Because when you're trying to be someone else, it's hard to come across natural. It's hard to come across solid and confident and and a great representation of your brand. And you end up having a harder time, a more difficult time on having good conversations with prospects and getting them into your funnel because they're not really sure who you're talking to. So great. Templates can work here and there sometimes, but you know what? You really have to find your own lane, find your own prospecting language, find your own methodologies. And that's what we're going to talk about today is some, some key ways to actually find your own um, process for prospecting and how to find your, really find your identity. So Tom, tell me why, why is this such a huge problem? Because everybody thinks it's a one size fits all. Um, or somebody finds success in their own version and then they think they can replicate it, right? Like why, why do most, where do SDR managers normally come from? They come from the top performers on a team. 70% of the time, it's the person that crushed goals, did all these great things. And then they move up to management. And then what do they do? They only know how to make others like them. They never got that leadership training to understand how to empower somebody to be them right? Uncover them, but take tweaks of what worked for you to help them find their own lane. Um, we've just see a lot of factories being created. These coaches out there that are coaching these individual reps and helping them progress. It's a one size fits all approach, right? They're helping buy my curriculum. And in this steps, you'll be just performing like the other 20 people I helped last month. Well, then you start creating a factory and it's the same car being produced in the factory. Honda pumps out the same car on automation now, just Hey, we built it once. We know it works. Crank it out at mass scale. And that's not the way to do things is we need to be empowering leaders and and this top leadership to ask the right questions, position themselves in a way to empower their reps to find their lane. And there is a way to do it without like changing your structure of today or like having an individual onboarding program for every single person. That's not what that means, but it's allowing people to find what works for them. Then we don't have best practices anymore. There is no such thing because everybody's yeah. doing something different. That, that, that term, it, uh, it just, it triggers something in my spine. Every, like <laughs> the hairs on the back of my neck go um, when I hear best practices, because um, a good friend of mine, Scott Barker, he, he said once, um, I think it was on one of my events, but um, he was basically saying that uh, once something becomes a best practice, it doesn't work anymore. Yep. Right. And, and what I took away from that, was that when I start, let's, let's imagine that we have this amazing email, you know, like outbound SOS creates this amazing email and it just works for us every time, right. Puts meeting on the board, uh, uh, points on the board. And then we go out and we publish it as a piece of content and we say, this is the email you need to follow it exactly. So now all of a sudden a thousand reps go out there and do the exact same email. 
and probably half of them are prospecting the same people. <laughs> so what happens now? All of a sudden, your amazing email that works so well for you is now in 50 times in your prospects inbox. Right. So next thing you know, that beautiful email that works just becomes just the norm. And it doesn't make any impact whatsoever. And it, get, it becomes downright annoying. Yep. So how does somebody prevent that from happening? Something like that. Formulas. You've got to have the right leader in place that can unlock formulas, not straight up cookie cutter approaches. Like our email, right? This example, Outbound SOS does an amazing email that works for you and I. And we want to send it out to the world. We, we provide the formula to how we got to that email. What was the thought process to that email? Not the outcome of the email, but the journey to get to that email, right? How, why did it work? What it, was the thinking behind the subject line? What was the body? What was your intention when you wrote that email? When you provide people that and then provide your example, now they go and critique their own using that formula. Okay, what's a good subject line I can use based on the three to five words they picked? How can I structure that differently? Okay, looking at this body, how can I adapt it to my way? And it's all formula, right? It's it's formulas. It's it's creating things at scale. Honda, yes, every Honda is the same, but it was a formula that got them to determine how to build that that Honda. So then guess what? Ford found that formula and created their version of that vehicle. They're not the same, right? But they, they're similar, but you could tell there's a competition between the Ford Focus and the Nissan Sentra. Same ideal car, different formulas, right? And then the public will decide which one they want to buy. So it's the same thing of just, are there things that work for people? Absolutely. But find a way to make it your formula and, and think about the, the building blocks that went into that script or into that approach and then design it in your own formula and unlock you. Bring your spice and element to it. Cut it up. Structure it differently. Do what you need to do to where it comes across on you. When we're doing outbound, we are very limited with our tool set or with our toolkit. The most things that we have to focus on is our deliverability and tone. When it comes to cold calling, that's your only ammo that you have. And an email, it's all about engaging them and catching their eye and being different, right? You don't get to speak to them. It, you don't even know if they read your email, right? Or, or what they've done with it. So you have to prepare for that. So we have a lot of limitations, but you got to look at formulas and I'll stop rambling, but it's <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, formula is the way, right? But uh, I have to admit, like I have seen some templates. There's some amazing templates out there. Um, that, you know, I've even used myself from some amazing people in our network. Right. Um, and, and they work really well for a lot of people. So how, how do you combat, how do you like not just trust the stats? How do you just, how do you not say like, Hey man, if I use this template, it's going to work great for me. You got to do a little bit of research. It's always about verifying the source. Right. Just like in school, when you write papers, you couldn't throw Wikipedia on your paper as the source. Right. Teachers would rip you apart because Wikipedia could be edited or whatever. You had to verify the source. Right. And it had to be accredited. So when you're looking at these frameworks and these stats, look at what they're prospecting. Look at what they're going after. Look at the messaging or the solution they're offering. Does it align with yours? Okay, then great. Maybe give it a shot and try out that template. See what happens. Experiment. But like if there's a template being shared on LinkedIn for 
SDR leaders or selling SaaS to SaaS, but you're in construction and blue collar, is that email really going to work for you? Like, because the audiences are different and the source is different than what your world is in. So maybe just take it as a grain of salt and build off of it and say, hey, this worked in that industry. Maybe I could spin it in some way that it could work on the commercial side. And, and then you you cut and slice and dice and make it your own. Change right. the subject line. That's, a, you know, if they if the subject line is, you know, read this under 27 seconds. Right. Great. But you don't want 50 of those in your inbox. So what could you do differently that would resonate with the, you know, the blue collar versus the SaaS leaders, right? That are concerned about their time, right? What would be something, read, you know, read that this, makes sense? Read this before you finish your uh, Tim Hortons coffee. That's a Canadian thing, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Tim Hortons, right? Think, yeah. You know, like it's something more relevant. And again, you're just taking it as a framework. And there are some good templates that aren't actually written out for you. We're talking, so let's clarify what template means here because. There are two versions that are out in the world. Some are templates that are just frameworks. They don't give you the actual content. They just tell you how to build it. And then there's templates where it's straight up a written example for you and you can copy it, throw it in your own email folder and send it out and see what happens. The templates that are the framework, that's the formulas. Those are good. Look at those. Find a way to cater them to your offering. But if it's a straight cookie cutter like HubSpot article where they're bringing all the 50 best templates of the year, be a little bit careful, right? Like, look at that. Um, take it as a grain of salt. Don't take it as a script. Um, that's why I don't believe in scripts when you're cold calling at companies. And I know people come for me in my DMs about it all the time, but I don't believe in scripts. I, I think so they're... I think... Go ahead. No, uh, well, so Tom, what, what, what I hear and, and what I think the lesson here is that it's not about not using templates because temp, temp, some templates are great. And even those articles from HubSpot have probably saved a lot of reps some tons of time, time trying to figure yeah, out structure, right? Figuring out their own lane, right? I get it in the yeah. beginning. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just more about having the skills and having the mindset to take a template. And even if something works, so like as an example, um, Tom and I both prospect were selling the same t- uh, product, same solution, same company, but we have very different styles. Right. And, and, and so if I'm going to take a template that works for Tom, that works really well, I'm going to apply my own personality, my own language, my own read on the prospect that I'm going after, and then adjust the language, adjust the tone, adjust the things so that it sounds like me. Right. So Dude, I'm not prime, just, example, I, prime example. I did a sequence recently that somebody gave me uh, uh, a prospecting sequence. Uh, I had four or five touches over a couple of days and all they did was ask me to copy it and plug it in. So I said, great, I'm going to run it too. It, it works for you. Your data is perfect. I'm going to do the same thing. Dude, for the first like two weeks of running that, I got ripped apart. A lot of unsubscribes, a lot of really just no responses in any shape or form. And I didn't like it. And once I saw the sequence play through with somebody and kind of got to read it back because they weren't responding. So I got to see every touch and order actually live to them. It didn't look like me. It didn't sound great. It was very weird. So you know what I did? I tweaked it, man. I made my edits. I cleaned up even just words that I say differently. Instead of awesome, I say epic, right? Like different things, just you're into windows and just that, that, that tonality you're bringing in it. Dude, I switched those things. And within a matter of a week, 
I started getting way more responses and a lot more feedback and, and, and it started turning into positivity all because I went in there and tweaked it to be more like me. I kept this framework, the touch points, everything the same, but I just changed the, the content a little bit because I didn't like it. I was like, this isn't me. Um, and so then once I did that, my, my results boomed within seconds. And I was like, well, there you go. That's how it should work. Okay. So that, that is fantastic. When, when you're sitting there thinking, okay, how can I use templates that are great and apply them to my, for my own? It really is about adjusting the language tone um, and, and just the word choice, right? The word choice that you actually have. You refer to the terms the way you would, right? Some people call soda, soda. Some people call it pop. But if one person right. sequences soda and that's not your language, you know, uh, shout out to Erica Stacy because I know she's laughing if she's listening. Um, our little <laughs> Southern, you know, she would probably call it pop, right? But and so if she shared me her sequence, it's going to say pop in there, and I don't refer that way. And my prospects probably are like, dude, you're not Southern, like that's not your approach. And so I'm gonna, you know, are gonna tell that it's that's how you expose best practices. That's how you expose that you're cheating the system and being lazy because your prospects know your language. Because you've been prospecting them all year. Like right now, if I switch to somebody else's sequence right now, people would know. Because I've already been messaging them all year on my own. They're going to see this cookie cutter through them and it's going to be crazy, right? Like they're not going to see it and they're going to be like, oh, Tom's cheating, lazy. Like phoning it in, I could tell this is not what I get from him usually. Yeah, no, well, totally. So, so that makes so much sense is like you need to adjust whatever you're getting, whether it's a cold call script, uh, t email template, even a great formula, you just need to really make it your own. So that's that's important. But there's another factor here, like uh, that's for you, right? The you side. There's another factor here that's really important. And I was reading a book last night. It's called Have You Heard of the, the Hard Things? The Hard Thing About the Hard Things? I have not. Okay. It's a management book about, um, about like startups and, and just how to really run a really kick-ass company and that kind of thing. And the author was basically talking about interviewing different people and how to hire for your startup. Right. And what he was saying was that a lot of companies try to hire those really big, expensive executives from big companies that have kind of been there, done that and already scaled companies, um, to, to, to scale yours. Right. Because you think, okay, well, my company is going to be the best. So, it needs to scale and I need, and I, I've raised some millions of dollars, so I'm going to hire the best. Right. But what the, what he mentioned was, is that when he was a, a manager of a company and he had a thousand people working for him, um, his day-to-day -day job was working on the business. So operationally, and then dealing with a lot of inbound requests from the people that he managed. Right. So everything he was doing was already set. Everything he was doing was inbound requests and dealing with the people on his list, like on his team. Sorry. And then con contrast that with when he was at a startup where basically his entire job was creating something new, creating the processes, hiring the people and everything, everything he did was on his terms. So he was driving the conversation. He was driving the initiatives. So if you look at that, he has the exact same title, same person in different roles, but in one company, he was managing everything inbound. Everything came to him. And he was dealing with it analytically in the other company. He was the driver. He was the driving force behind everything that was happening. So Tom, why am I mentioning that when it comes to outbound prospecting? Because you need to own where you're going, you know, what you're doing. Um, when you're the driving force behind it, it's a little bit different. 
than, you know, the being told what to do. I don't know. You hear me with a good one. It's up to you. You got to clarify. Hey, you, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I didn't know it either, Tom. Like straight up. I, I didn't know it either. So I'm not surprised. Um, the reason why I'm mentioning that now is that when you're looking at your prospect and you have a prospecting list of, let's say you're going after VPs of marketing, right? You might have a hundred VPs of marketing and each one have different roles and different responsibilities, right? So if you're going after the, uh, if you're going after the thousand person company VP of marketing versus the startup five person company, uh, startup in the exact same way, you're not, it's not going to work, right? It's not going to, it's, it's just going to be different, right? It might work for one. It won't work for the other. So not only do you have to find your lane that works for you, but you also have to adjust what you're doing in order to tr- attract specific people. So how you find that out is you do your call, pre-call research. You do, you really understand the prospect you're going after. And again, adjust those templates, adjust your approach to meet the needs of your prospect. So uh, does that make sense, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I totally agree. You know, as we wrap up here, it's just the, the point of this episode was just to understand that the best way for you to find success in the world of sales is you've got to find you. People like who they buy from. They like people being who they are. I understand there might be some roadblocks at your company. There might be certain things in place. I understand that. But you want to find a place that empowers you to own your process. Put yourself in a position to win, you know, not be cookie cutter. Don't be a factory SDR. Don't be coming out of the farm and being like everybody else. The more that we all can start making an impact on our own and find our own voices and lanes in our content and in our messaging, you're going to find a lot more success because it's you. It's fun. It's exciting. You're connecting with real people versus aligning with a certain conversation the way it's got to go because your script says so or forcing things that don't need to be forced. It it just allows for a lot more freedom um, for you to be you and and put you in that position to win. Oh, I love it. You know what? Normally I would uh, have something to add, but in all honesty, Tom, I think you said it best. It's really just about being you, being authentic and making sure that when you're dealing with people that they see the real you and they see who that is. And if you're likable, you're likable. If you're not, you're not whatever, but just be you and find your own lane. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one Uh, out there. Happy hunting. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of fill the funnel podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite platform, give us reviews and tell all your friends about us till next time. Happy hunting.